Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. What do you love about music? To begin with? Everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Mardi Gras, isn't it? Isn't it like Mardi Gras? There's like music coming, blasting from every door. People streaming down the street in every direction. They close off the street so there's no traffic. It's just people, people, people. Music, music, music. And you are just inundated with this like constant stimulation. You know, you can't be tired. Sleep on Monday, maybe. You know, you've got all this stuff going on and you want to be at seven events at the same time. That's the vibe. Like, you're missing something. You're missing something. Get there, get there, get there, get there. Have a good time. And then, you know, start again the next day. Welcome to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. That was my partner, Greg Cott, on 6th Street, the main club drag of Austin, Texas. And, uh, Greg, you look like you finally caught up on your sleep. Yeah, Jim, I, I sound pretty strung out in that uh, segment. Uh, we've, uh... <laughs> that is the sound of Austin, Texas and South by Southwest. The 20th annual uh, music conference in Austin, Texas. Uh, Jim, I would say the, the biggest music conference in, in our world, the pop music world, the rock world. Uh, that we have to cover every year. It is a must-do on our list. What Sundance and Khan are mm-hmm. to the movie world, South by Southwest is combined to the world of popular yeah. music. The music industry descends on Austin, Texas. This college town, 10,000 registrants this year from around the world, literally around the world, Japan, Europe, every part of the United States, South America, they came from every part of the world to participate in this conference. 1,400 bands, more than 60 clubs, going for five days, basically nonstop. It's essentially spring break for music geeks, and you can go down there and see music basically 24 hours a day at free parties and and people's backyards on the street corners and not even uh, be part of the convention. So uh, we set out this year on our first year on Chicago Public Radio to cover South by Southwest as it has never been covered before, at least not on the radio. We've talked about it many times on Sound Opinions. We've covered it, I think this was my 16th year there for uh, either Request Magazine, Rolling Stone Magazine, or the Chicago Sun-Times. You went a year before me, so... Right, this is 17 years for me, and I remember when it was a very small music conference, just uh, confined to basically yeah. to a hotel. Now it has basically taken over Austin. The entire city. We went down there, tape recorders in hand. I mean, we have got some moments from this conference that we're going to be sprinkling in throughout this show tonight. We've also got an interview with the Beastie Boys, that we, you know, kind of a guerrilla hit-and-run interview yeah, yeah, yeah. with the Beastie Boys at the uh, South by Southwest Music Conference. As usual, we come back, Jim, you and I, with a list of bands that we uh, think are going to do something in the, well, in the, the whole following of, year. The whole point of us going, in addition to seeing the belly of the beast, the music industry, you know, enforce in one place in one time, is, uh, at least this is how I justify it to my editors, is, you know, we come back and, and you come back with your notebook loaded with 20 or 30 acts that you know are going to make big news in the next six or nine months. Uh, we're going to play the very top discoveries we made down there, but here's what some people in the street had to say about the music. Music they were listening to in Austin. 
best show that I've seen thus far. The Twilight Singers, I was completely blown away. That was a great, a great show. I saw a fantastic band. I was in Australia back in February, and uh, there was a band that were on the front cover of every street press over there called The Living End. And I saw them, and they were absolutely awesome. We've seen a lot of music. Oh, X-Girl, X-Girl. From Japan, they invited us to go to outer space at the beginning of the show, and it went something like this. Do you want to go to outer space with us? Here we go! And then they'd rock out really hard, and then they'd go like, in harmony with each other. And we wanted to go to outer space with them. I mean, it goes without saying. Octone from Russia. A dance music band has a man on stage that I really don't know what his purpose is, except that he uh, is very energetic and he looks like an insane homeless man that just kind of walked on stage and decided to run a band. We went to see the Fiery Furnaces and the Noisettes on Thursday night, and we didn't know who they were, but like we really liked them. I really liked the singer, and it was really cool. I saw her like right after because like she went down and like stand in front of me, so we actually got to talk to her afterwards. So it's pretty cool. The Flaming Lips, um, that was just absolutely incredible. It's the Flaming Lips, so what, what more can you say? It was just the biggest party. There was just so many balloons in such a tiny, tiny space. I've still got confetti actually coming out of pockets and so on. We ran over the Arctic Monkey Show. We didn't think we were going to get in, but we did. We just barely got in, and. Um, we wanted to be like, oh, because you know, Arctic Monkeys is you know, the most hyped band around here and stuff. And we were saying we wanted to be like, oh, you know, that, that kind of suck. You know, that was all hype, but they were actually really good, and they, they really had their stuff together. I saw Love Is All from Sweden. I saw um, the band Art Brute. The reputation is very justly deserved. They made me like kind of jump around like a 15-year-old for a half hour. And um, I also saw the Dresden Dolls, uh, who I'd, I'd heard were a very good live band, and I, I liked some of their songs. And they were just total pros. They just kind of knocked out of the park as total like showmen. They were fantastic. Speaking of the Dresden Dolls, Greg, they're actually one of my favorite discoveries that I came back uh, from South by Southwest with. They have a new album that's just coming out, I think, in a week or so. It's called Yes, Virginia with the ellipses. Uh, man, what a strange act. Initially formed in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were basically, there was this, this kind of new wave synth pop, 80s glam, Adam and the Ants kind of era uh, revival in Boston, of all places. And that was part of the ingredients of what went into the Dresden Dolls. But far larger was this obsession with the Weimar Republic and the music of Kurt Weill and the whole 1920s decadent uh, Berlin scene, you know, before, uh, obviously before Nazism. What the movie Cabaret and the play Cabaret captured uh, so wonderfully. Ambiguous sexuality, uh, absolutely hedonistic, wanton, uh, pleasure-seeking behavior, gothic, you know, this is where the whole kind of goth era was really, really took root. And boy, does this band capture that. Uh, there's a great, great singer. You know, people get so excited about your your uh, Nora Joneses and your Nellie McKay's. I don't think they have 
anything on the singer and the piano player for this band, Amanda Palmer. And her partner is uh, is a drummer, Brian Villione. And basically, it's just the two of them, except live, it expands into this, um, uh, basically a performance troupe, you know, a cabaret act. But it all works because the songs are so strong. And, and I'm going to play a track from this Yes, Virginia album, which I can't recommend highly enough. Well, now you and Trent Reznor are fans of these guys. Uh, well, he's a big a fan, too. Like, Courtney Love's a fan, Alas Morissette, uh, strange people, Randy Newman's talked about him. Uh, anyway, this is the Dresden Dolls from Boston. The album's called Yes, Virginia, and the song is called Modern Moonlight. Like it all you want, it's fruitless. Life is the way of progress. That's Modern Moonlight from the Dresden Dolls, one of uh, Jim's discoveries at the South by Southwest Music Conference, recently completed their 20th year. Jim, one of our goals there, I think, is always to see as many bands as we possibly can see, 35, 40, 45 bands if you can. Easily, Uh, easily. You never want to go back and see a band twice if, if, if you can't avoid it. But no, I, you don't want to see bands that you've already seen. Yeah. You want to discover stuff. All new stuff. And uh, one of the bands that I had not seen before, they had a very brief tour of the United States last year because their record was only out in England, this band called Art Brute, B-R-U-T, uh, named after an art movement uh, coined by the artist Jean Dubuffet, Basically, art that was very was, impressive of you. Did you practice saying <laughs> Debuffet? Yeah. Yes, I've been working on that for I, days in front of the mirror, trying I to get the pronunciation you, right. Mr. Cott. Uh, Dubuffet's um, term for primitive art. This band adopted that moniker for its own. Played South by Southwest in a big way. Played three or four times. I had to see them twice. I enjoyed myself so much the first time that I had to go back and get another dose of Art Brute. By far. Uh, to my mind, the best band I saw at South by Southwest. I saw you there. I read into you and and uh, and enjoyed the show too. Smiling, smiling, smiling uh, to the point where I couldn't even talk. I had to scroll in my notebook, <laughs> the new kings of rock and roll. And I think I that waved is, it in front of your face. Entire page of your notebook, and you just came up to me. I think you'd had a you'd had a few Shiner Box, which is the local uh, Austin beer, and you had you and you drew the crown. You see a band like this, and it justifies every reason you could possibly have for doing the job you do. This is why we do what we do. You see a band like this, it blows you away. Eddie Argos, the most unlikely rock star on the planet, pencil-thin mustache, gangly arms, paunchy belly, uh, can't sing on key, and yet 
the most charismatic front man at, at South by Southwest. Well, and he's singing about how he can't sing, Absolutely. which is one of the things I love. We're actually going to have them in the studio uh, to do a performance that will air in a couple of weeks. It's a great band. So what are you going to lay on us? Well, I think they're a terrific band, and, and, and what I love about them is almost the innocence and the simplicity of, of the lyrics. They're so direct. One band that gets up on stage in Austin and basically exemplifies the entire conference with their first song that they played at every set. Look at us. We formed a band. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, you did, and we're up here celebrating it, and why don't you celebrate with us? You know, the album that came out in England last year will now be released in the United States in, in a matter of weeks. About time. So, so that's good news. And here is the lead-off track on that record, their first single in England, and, and I still think one of the great smile-inducing tracks of, of, of the new year. We formed a band, Art Brute, on Sound Opinions. We formed a band. What a great song. Uh, here's a band that is more long-lived. They still come to a place like South by Southwest in order to generate excitement for their new project. The Beastie Boys were down there. They were everywhere. Wound up doing a surprise performance, but they were mainly talking about their movie, which is called Awesome, I F***ing Shot That. Uh, so named because their idea was to give some 55 video cameras, high 8 video cameras, to fans who had already purchased tickets to a show at Madison Square Garden, and they compiled the movie uh, from the vantage point of the fans all spread throughout the venue. We sat down with these guys kind of hit-and-run fashion. You know, everything happens like in hyperspeed time down there. You run in, you run out, you get a few words with uh, Mike D, uh, Ad-Rock, and MCA of the Beastie Boys. And we asked uh, MCA why they decided to make the movie in this risky fashion. Uh, I had seen something, uh, a kid shot something a little piece of a, a concert of us like running out on stage on his camera phone mm-hmm. and posted it on our website. And, uh, and I saw it and I just thought it looked really cool. I thought it captured the energy that was in the room. Yeah. The time, the, the like low res green in the, yeah. in the camera phone and the fact that it was handheld and like you could just feel how like amped up the guy was that was, was shooting it. Like it, somehow you could just like sense the energy in the room which a lot of times I think you, you can't really feel with, with uh, the way, especially the way modern concert films are documented now that we're in the in the realm of video, yeah. like a lot of times, like with HD cameras and kind of like all these like booms and tracks and and whatnot, you don't really there's kind of like a cookie cutter way that a lot of concerts are documented now mm-hmm. that I don't know if it really captures the energy that's in the room at the time. I read a review uh, from Sundance that said that they were comparing the editing method to the way you guys made Paul's Boutique. 
So we had Lawrence Lessig on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's the, the copyright uh, guru. He's the, mm-hmm. the, the lead-leading intellectual guy defending. Yeah, yeah, who does that? And he was making the point. He's the, he's he's the, the open source He's the open source guy. guy. Right. Okay. Actually made the point of, uh, uh, that, that, be, that Paul's Boutique couldn't be made today, the way that sampling has changed and the way that copyrights have gotten so restrictive. Is that killing hip hop? The fact that it's not more accessible, that the, these kind of samples aren't more accessible. That uh, you know, Paul's Boutique, you know, which still people are referencing to this day. I don't think it's just hip hop. It's like to stifle anyone's uh, creativity in terms of where they could push music via sampling is a bit of a shame. But on the other hand, I mean, hip hop has proven itself, I think, to be a pretty flexible form of music. It's an always yeah. evolving thing. So it's not. I don't think that's. Um, putting any kind of hard cap or hard ceiling on creativity in, in uh, hip-hop. It maybe forced you guys to be more creative, because like the next couple of records were kind of live things, right? Where you guys went in the studio and... Yeah, I mean, I don't, that wasn't an economic consideration for us as much as just like our own reaction. Like I remember when we sat down to make Check Your Head, it was kind of like we felt like on Paul's Boutique, not like drained, but we kind of felt like, oh man, we just pulled everything out, you know, with working with the Dust Brothers, like in terms of sampling, and we were inspired by a lot of the stuff that we'd... Uh, used that, that we'd sampled and thought, okay, well, let's just try and set up some stuff and set up some equipment and start playing and see what comes of it. And mm-hmm. that, of course, then took like a couple of years of sitting around and jamming forever and tinkering, but then it was a kind of the same thing, sampling ourselves, like what we were kind of doing. Mm-hmm. A couple of years. You, you guys don't work fast anymore. We never were efficient. We were never... Uh, what yeah. is it, six albums and we could probably claim to a few things, but efficiency is never one of them. <laughs> there you go. When you're reading the reviews of uh, of Awesome, you know you see these words. You know, eminence. I don't even know how to say it. I'm not good at French. Eminence, Greece, or uh, you know, elder statesman. I mean, I still get a little weirded seeing you with gray hair. I got some, you know. You can't help it. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, but, but I, think, you know, I think I had gray hair when we were working on Check Your Head. <laughs> so uh, yeah, actually, yeah. maybe I got more of it now. <laughs> One time I was talking with Kim from Sonic Youth and it was like I, we were just moving back to New York and they were just like finally getting to the point where they could actually like buy an apartment in mm-hmm. New York City and she was like in New York City it's a big deal because yeah. real estate is kind of like your biggest battle in New York like a place to live and I remember like they had to be interviewed by a a co-op board and one of the people on the co-op board is kind of like well you know with this music stuff don't you think it's, it's terribly trend oriented and you know you could be doing okay now but what about next year or you can't five pay the rent. years yeah, can't and, pay the and Kim condo. was like well what about what about bands like the Grateful Dead that keep mm-hmm. doing it for a long time she's like I kind of view us like that we're going to be doing this uh, for a while I just thought you know we were just laughing about her having to say that to, yeah. in that context like to a to a co-op board or whatever but it, yeah. you know so, so you guys go. are not worried so about... I think we're good. We're good. Yeah. We have to go up in front of the co-op board. You still don't have to think about what you're going to do when you grow up. All right. I think actually my, my, my mom, anyway, I don't know what these are. My mom has finally, I think, realized that this is a real career. Mm-hmm. She's finally not asking me, like, what, yeah. what I'm going to do for a day job. Yeah. Well, the movie's got to help with that. I mean, once you've made a movie... Yeah, actually, you know, the movie doesn't even matter. But once it got reviewed in the New York Times... Oh, there you go. Then that, that was big. That was huge. Like, yeah. then it actually huge. exists. Because it's like the movie... So like you can... We could sell like a gazillion DVDs that wouldn't mean mm-hmm. anything, but if it's, there's a review in the New York Times, then and it comes to her apartment in the morning in New York City, then, yeah. then it's official. The New York Times. Ha! It's got nothing on the Chicago Sun-Times or the Chicago Tribune. I'm Jim <laughs> DeRogatis. He's Greg Cott. We are talking about our discoveries at the 20th annual South by Southwest 
music and media conference down in Austin, Texas. We're going to have more audio from down there. We're going to have more music that we came back and can't stop playing right after this on Sound Opinions. Welcome back to Sound Opinions on Chicago Public Radio. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. My partner is Jim DeRogatis of the Chicago Sun-Times. We're talking about the South by Southwest Music Conference, the 20th annual, just completed in Austin. And uh, we're running down the bands to look for in uh, the next year, based on what we saw down in Austin. And Jim... uh, you love your psychedelic music, my man, and uh, you found a good one down there. I do. I love this band. You know, it's pretty rare to hear Austin bands that really kind of blow your mind. When I first went to South by Southwest in 1993, there were a mere 400 acts playing, and it seemed like 78, 90% of them, I don't know, were from Austin. You know, a lot of great Austin musicians, don't get me wrong, and then there's a whole lot of Stevie Ray wannabes, okay? (laughs) So I haven't actually heard a lot of great music that's from Austin in Austin over the last 16 years. This is a band, these guys wrote to me, they said, man, we read your psychedelic book, we've read your stuff, you're going to like us, please come see us. (laughs) You know, and usually you get that, and it's like, yeah, right, okay? But I said, okay, I'm going to give these kids a shot. It's obviously a young a group of kids, a sextet from Austin named the Black Angels. I think that not only are they great musicians, but they're great writers because the way they describe themselves on their website and their press kit, I can't do a better job. They ask you to imagine, quote, a red moonlit night when Nico, the Velvet Underground singer, and Timothy Leary return from the dead to guide you through heaven and hell. And that's exactly (laughs) what this is. I didn't connect with their big showcase performance because I was reviewing something else, and I didn't connect with a party they did in the afternoon, I think because we were interviewing the Beastie Boys. But then, lo and behold, they were playing in the convention center, which even the convention center has a stage, which is mainly panels all day. And so I went in, and it's noon, and this was on Friday. So by this time, there had already been three nights of clubbing, and people were dragging. So I, I saw them, and I saw them in the sterile surroundings of the convention center and they handed me my head on a platter you know banging drums with the mallets in this primitive 
Maureen Tucker of the Velvet Underground fashion, a couple of guitars, some synthesizer, and some, some Farfisa organ kind of drone. It's a little bit of that kind of spiritualized shoegazer English psychedelic vibe from the early 90s, some classic 60s Velvet Underground drone, and uh, just just a little bit of Texas homespun, you know. But Texas is a psychedelic place. Oh, it's, yeah, Rocky uh, Erickson, man. Yeah, you know, and I, I mm-hmm. just I fell in love with this. And they've got uh, two great recordings out. The album, it's a double disc, it's called Passover, is just coming out in time for Easter. And I'm a fan. Black Angels, uh, they said I would like them, and they were not wrong. Young Men Dead from the Black Angels. And I agree with you, Jim. That was a, a nice choice, and I love the way that in this very cold environment of the convention center during South by Southwest, middle of the day, people sitting around eating their lunch, having coffee, and these guys set this really dark, mysterious Absolutely. vibe in the middle of that Suddenly day. it was midnight. Place. That was very A band cool. like that should never have to play in the daylight, and yet they <laughs> managed to pull it off. They pulled it off. Um, you know, we, we talk about these bands coming from all over the world. That's what's so exciting about South by Southwest to me. I really come to see the bands that uh, rarely get through the States and may not even have records out in the States and are making their debuts. One of those bands was Serena Manesh from Norway. They have an interesting stage presence that I think sets them apart from other bands who are accused of slavishly imitating My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine references get thrown around like, you know, nickels these days. I mean, countless bands influenced by them, that heavy, overdriven guitar sound, almost symphonic with the tones and overtones on top of the layered guitars. Nobody quite did it like My Bloody Valentine or as well. And it's sort of the start of this movement known as shoegazer. Bands Mm -hmm. lining up on stage, literally looking at their shoes while they're creating this funnel cloud of noise and guitar atmospherics and harmonics. Serena Manesh is uh, attempting to channel some of that, but they brought their own personality and vibe to it, which I really appreciated. Besides the overdriven guitars, they sort of brought this gypsy kind of flamboyance to it. The lead guitar player in the band came out dressed in these tassels and scarves and really made a show of, of putting on a show. He wasn't just gazing at his shoes. He was in front of an audience entertaining them. 
his foil on stage was this Amazon tall bass player. I mean, she literally towered over him and everybody else in the club. This is the beauty of South by Southwest and the beauty of popular music. Where else could you see an Amazonian Norwegian <laughs> gypsy bass player on stage in Texas? Exactly. Hallelujah. So she's hopping around up there, and it was a visual feast as well as a musical one. So I really enjoyed watching them. But re- what really did it for me is, is the record. It's a terrific record that isn't out in the States again, but will be soon, hopefully. Here's the lead track from a terrific stuff that they played in Austin, Drain Cosmetics on Sound of Things. So while you were sleeping, I made this great discovery this morning. There was this one-hit wonder, two-white-guy hip-hop duo in New Jersey called Little T and One Track Mike. And they had this hit. I don't know if you remember it. It was on MTV for 10 minutes. It's called Shaniqua Don't Live Here Anymore. So they had their one shot at fame. They were on Atlantic Records. They got put on a tour opening for Outkast, and they fell apart and went nowhere because nobody wanted to see two geeky white guys from New Jersey. So uh, this guy has reinvented himself as Tim Fight. F-I-T-E, right? So he is this rubber-faced, geeky guy dressed up as a southern preacher. It's this weird hip-hop meets 20s back porch blues. And he's great! There's no way that that explanation even does any justice, which is good, because it's such a multi-hyphenated explanation that it just sounds like it's going to fall over on its own weight, except you see this guy and you just say, it's impossible not to like this. All right, that's funny stuff. Sub, 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 Eminem. Uh, <laughs> that, that is Tim Fight in his earlier incarnation as Little T. I understand that in interviews he denies that he ever had that earlier <laughs> incarnation. What I was looking for when I was talking there on the streets of Texas and couldn't remember for the life of me because I was on my like 23rd hour of the day was, Oh, brother, where art thou? The movie. It's as if he was one of the characters. He just stepped out of that, <laughs> right? But he's kind of a preacher That's and he's great. reinventing himself and doing hip hop. 
and this kind of 1920s blues on an acoustic guitar. While he's doing it, any other instrumentals that he plays on the record, which is a really good, strong record, about to come out on Anti-Epitaph. So he's a label mate with Nico Case in mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, while he's doing that, he's got you know some straight keyboards and stuff. There's a big video screen of him playing the other stuff, making these goofy faces behind him. <laughs> and he's got all this weird video imagery going on. His brother is playing a keyboard live and running the tape. And the brother's like the perfect straight man. And when I said rubber-faced, I mean, really, this guy makes Jim Carrey look like he has one expression. Wow. And that's part of the charm. But all that aside, it wouldn't mean anything if the record wasn't any good. And I really fell in love with this record. Here's a track from it called No Good Here. has a little less hip-hop than some of the other tracks, but I just, I love this song. You've been thinking I've been bored Self-indulgent, self-destroyed But I've been busy, baby, I keep busy Breaking every law in New York City I've been busy, baby, I keep busy Breaking every heart in New York Your money's no good Tim Fight, the album is Gone Ain't Gone, about to be out on Anti-Epitaph, which is kind of a unique signing for them. I like the idea of a multimedia hayseed, you know? Kind of uh, yeah, con- exactly. And he's from Jersey. Combination of low-tech and high-tech. I dig that. that. That's cool. Very cool. So what else have you discovered down in Texas? Mr. Well, you're Kyle? always looking for these unique personalities. And I don't know about you, Jim, but when I'm driving in Austin, we get these rental cars and we pop around. And we ended up in these parking lots, you know, dump the car there for 10 bucks, and then we, you know, run off to six shows. And then we jump in the car and we drive to another side of town. Well, it was to only because the things shows. gotten so big, we had a, a stay at the hotel across Town Lake right. this year. Usually we walk. I never walk more like the whole rest of the year than I do in Austin. Yeah, but usually when I'm driving around, I'll have a CD that sort of defines the week for me. And I, I can always <laughs> always remember, you know, certain you know, South you, by you Southwest sick. You conferences. can't get enough music. No, 23 it's... hours a day, you're listening in the car? Yeah, you remember four years ago when the hives were first breaking, I had that CD in my car in, in Austin. I was so enjoying it that I couldn't get it out of the deck. And this year, the CD that I could not get out of my deck in my rental car was by this band Love Is All from Sweden. Mm. And I happened to catch them down at the conference as well. Again, another band you don't normally run into in the States. They haven't toured that much. They were over there in force, and they blew me away. Love the band. Love the record. As I said, I couldn't get it out of the CD deck in the car. It's a big year for Nordic discoveries in uh, in the cot beat. What these Nordic bands are doing, I think, is discovering the music of America 
rediscovering it in a way and making it their own, giving it a fresh take. And what these guys are particularly excited about is the late 70s, early 80s jazz punk crossover. People like James Chance and the Contortions and Lydia Lunch sort of fusing these sounds into like spastic, energetic rock and roll. What I love about this band is the singer, Josephine Olsen. She's this little pixie. She's singing about pretty bummed out stuff. I call it hangover music. Mm -hmm. She's talking about being bummed out by romance, bummed out by booze, bummed out by the music business. This is a band that's been around the block. They've been in bands before. They've got families. And yet they, they bring a fresh exuberance to it. Meanwhile, Josephine is singing about the fact that she has lived a little bit and has had some bad experiences. The band, meanwhile, is just going full throttle. That blurting saxophone, very reminiscent of that jazz punk scene of the early 80s, hurtling melodies. The rhythms sound like a rickety roller coaster ripping down the track. So I love the contrast between her sort of world-weary vocals and the uh, almost spastic energy of the band. Uh, It's called Love Is All. The record is called Nine Times the Same Song. And the great single off of that that really made my week down in Austin, Make Out, Fall Out, Make Up, on Sound Opinions. One of Greg Cott's discoveries, Love is All from Sweden. When we come back on Sound Opinions, the world's only rock and roll talk show, we are going to talk about the biggest buzz of South by Southwest, as well as one of the hugest hypes of the year on Chicago Public Radio.
We're standing outside a Presbyterian church at 2 o'clock in the morning. It is now Thursday night, melding into Friday morning. My body is ready to collapse. I've had three hours sleep in two nights. Yeah, in 48 hours. And we've just seen Reese Chatham and uh, a guitar army play three pieces over the course of one hour of extended guitar drones. Eight, eight guitars at the most, bass and drums. I was I was hoping for more guitars today. There should have been I was more looking guitars. for about 28 guitars. Because there's what? 73,000 guitarists in the city at this <laughs> yeah, moment? Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, whatever they were doing, there was like these, these harmonics uh, where the guitars were creating what I thought was a horn section. Like, yeah. I thought I heard horns in that yeah. piece. And it well, may have been the fact that I haven't had I've had three hours no, no, sleep no. in two no, days. No, no, no. See, Reese Chatham <laughs> preceded Sonic Youth and, and Glenn Branca, actually, on right. the Lower East Side. Glenn Branca was the, the, the famous guitar noise guy, and, and he inspired Sonic Youth. And so Chatham would open his concerts with three gongs, and they were about 60 inches. Oh, uh, that's you know, cool. About five feet. And then he would have, him and two musicians would kneel in front of the gong with, <laughs> with a beater, and they'd play the gongs for like 40 minutes. And it, all it was just about... It was overtones, just about, right? Overtones. It's all yeah, about it, overtones. It's all about overtones. T- and then one tone would, melding with another tone to create exactly. a third tone. But well, with 20 or 30 guitars. Well, can you imagine with this vaulted ceiling in this beautiful church we were yeah. just in? Yeah. It was one of those uh, visions. And then uh, the final touch. Here we are in this big church, and they've got Christ on the cross. Well, it was covered as this band, with it. But the, but the screen, but it was part of yeah. my hallucination, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. it was like, I think there's God up there looking down on this, yeah. but you can't really see him because he's behind that. The this, thunder this, God. The scrim, yes. yeah. It is now 2 a.m., 2.15 a.m. We'll, we'll, we'll exaggerate. Yeah, We're done. We're going home. Good night, Austin. Typical day in Austin. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis of the Sun-Times. My partner is Greg Cott of the Tribune. That was us at uh, like 2 in the morning (laughs) outside uh, a Presbyterian church on 8th Street in Austin. Greg, you were in a very special place, I think, by that time, and helped in part by Reese Chatham's music and sitting in the pew, but I think you'd had some uh, stimulus Raised to the heavens. Well, you know, you have to have a little wine with your steak, you know, uh, (laughs) and and you can't get anything besides beef down there, so uh, a little red wine, a little steak, and then we went out and saw this music that was just transcendent, transporting, and it was, uh, you know... Here's this vaulted ceiling of this beautiful church, and I felt I was floating up there for a few minutes. <laughs> well, and what a band. All right, so he only had eight guitars. He just has gotten a grant from the French government, according to Doug McCombs, of Tortoise and 11th Dream Day, Chicagoan, who played with him that night. There was also Chris Brokaw of the band Come in his group. Uh, Ernie Brooks, one of the original modern lovers. Yeah. The guy who recorded Roadrunner. Right. You Thurston know, uh, Moore. But according to yeah, Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth, according to Doug, Reese has just gotten a, uh, a grant from the French government to do 100 guitars. Woohoo, that's Plus what we want to see. That's what we want to see. I want to see that. That's going to be awesome. But, you know, uh Donnergotter or the Thunder God, mm-hmm. that is Chatham's masterpiece. Here it is. It's it's an incredible piece of music.
That is the Thunder God, English translation of that Germanic title by Reese Chatham. And it was uh, eight pieces, and it was awesome. I can only imagine what 100 guitars, which is what uh, Chatham would envision what that piece would sound like in a live setting like that. Guitars, guitars, guitars. Man, uh, one guitar sometimes can be as effective as eight. I was blown away by a, a little trio that I saw at the uh, Continental Club on the, uh, the post-mortem, really, Sunday night. Uh, a few stragglers remain in Austin to see some of the, uh, some of the festival highlights. One of the hi- highlights of Sunday night is always Alejandro Escovedo's performance. You talk about local Texas musicians at South by Southwest, Jim. Escovedo has always been one of the highlights for me, uh, always plays a Sunday night show. One of his opening bands was this trio called Grady, a guitar player, bass, and drums. Uh, the drummer in the band's got a bit of a resume. Chris Layton used to play with Stevie Ray Vaughan. Johnson, Gordy Johnson, the lead guitar player in, in Grady, uh, certainly has heard Stevie Ray Vaughan, but he's got his own thing going on. Huge, overdriven sound. You talk about overpowering overwhelming sound in, in this little club. It, it was very much that. These huge stacks of amplifiers. Uh, Johnson's uh, got a finger-picking blue style, but he gets a huge, huge sound out of it. There's sort of an, almost an element of bluegrass in what he's doing, uh, combined with this heavy metal level of volume. He was in a band uh, from Toronto called Big Sugar for, uh, put out six records in, in the 90s. Uh, the band broke up. He moved to Austin. He put on a cowboy hat and man, I tell you, he, um, the guy's the real deal in terms of his feel for this overdriven blues sound. The best thing that I can compare it to is the very early days of ZZ Top, when Billy Gibbons was mm. really playing that, uh, that stack of marshals and just really blowing people away. Almost a punk rock kind of feel to it. This song is a, uh, an example of uh, that heavy blues sound, except it's on amphetamines. It's really like, these guys are wired. They definitely gave me that impression that night at the Continental Club when I saw them. And the record, which was recorded for basically no money, basically like a home demo, kind of gives you that feel as well. Uh, the, The name of the record is Why You So Shady, and the track is Ride Like Hell from the band called Grady, Austin, Texas Trio on Sound Opinions. Popped up electric blues from the Texas trio Grady, one of Greg Cott's discoveries down at South by Southwest. I've got one more. You've got one more, Mr. Cott. And then the two of us are going to talk about the hype of the conference. 
This band is uh, one of subtle charms. It's called White Whale. And I have to confess, there were two reasons I went. I knew nothing about the group. Number one, it was part of a Merge Records showcase. And Merge is a great label. It's run by the guys who formed and founded Super Chunk. And it's been the home of a lot of just great weird pop in the last uh, decade or decade and a half. I've rarely heard anything on Merge that I haven't liked. So when a label like that sponsors a showcase, you figure, well, you know, there's two hours now where I, I don't know what I'm doing so let me stop in here but also i had seen this band's name and i said well i i gotta check i just like the name white whale you know what i mean it's great there's a melville reference it's, I, I like whales you know white whale what a great <laughs> name for a band so i stop in and they turn out to have a pedigree this guy matt suggs is uh kind of been an indie mvp man about town and played in lots of different bands for the last uh, 10 or 15 years and rob pope was part of a band that i liked very very much called the get up kids which was kind of an emo or pop punk uh, combination band from Lawrence, Kansas. That's where White Whale is from, Lawrence, Kansas. And what you've got going on here, Greg, is sort of a uh, Fairport Convention or Nick Drake folk rock vibe, but with a little bit more of a twist, a la early Pink Floyd, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, when Sid Barrett was still in the band, that kind of psychedelic pop. It reminded me very, very much of the late lamented Elephant Six bands, Neutral Milk Hotel or Olivia Tremor Control or uh, uh, Appleson Stereo. You know, this is a band that is so young. Their entire discography so far is a couple of songs, like three tunes posted on their MySpace webpage. Mm -hmm. They don't even have an album coming out until November on Merge Records. But there they were. Very, very impressive. Really tuneful and just just wonderful stuff. It's exactly the sort of thing, if you hadn't run into them by chance on the streets of Texas as part of South by Southwest, the record can come out and, you know, it's not going to get a lot of press and you wouldn't even, you know, we get 100 CDs a week, you might not even play it. But, you know, uh, uh, now I'm eagerly anticipating counting the minutes until White Whale makes its album debut. So here they are on Sound Opinions. That's White Whale with a track called Nine Good Fingers, band from Lawrence, Kansas, one to watch in the coming months. Lots of bands to watch there, Jim. Uh, we could do this show for several hours over the next several months. Easy. And, and continue to talk about bands that we saw down in Austin. We're just distilling it down to a, a small handful uh, tonight on Sound Opinions. Go to soundopinions.com for more uh, coverage of the conference, by the way. We've got a lot more stuff to look at down there, including a blog from our yeah, intrepid producers. Funny stuff. <laughs> our whole production team, they got into the spirit of it. They were blogging from down there, and we're still trying to help them recover. <laughs> we're all recovering, but man, we saw a lot of good music. I went to see uh, a Finnish band that ended up canceling 
because they couldn't get their visa uh, to the mm. United States. So uh, I ended up at a club, and I figured, okay, I'm, I'm here already. I might as well check out this next band, see what it's all about. They blew me away. Uh, I had to get the record immediately after the set because what I saw was, was extraordinary. It is. You know, it's fun. One of the best things about South by Southwest is it's the only time of the year that you and I buy records. Mm-hmm. You know, not that we wouldn't, but we get them all for free. It's one of the perks of the job, which is actually, you know, it sounds better than it is, you yeah. know. But, you know, sometimes you come away and this band is just selling these CDs that they press themselves from the back of their van out sure. behind the venue. And I'm happy to give them 10 bucks. You know, here's gas money, guys. Yeah. Godspeed on your way out of Texas. Right. These guys uh, were playing uh, the, the late set in Austin one night, and they were off to Houston the next morning at 6. And, you know, the least you can do is, you know, give them 10 bucks for their CD. Heck yeah. And the name of the band is Gatadin's Edge. Katahdin is the uh, the tallest mountain in Maine. There, there, there's a little bit of trivia for you. Uh, these guys are from the from the Northeast, Providence, Rhode Island, a jazz trio. Jazz. What are they doing at South by Southwest? Well, I think there's an interesting area where the jazz and rock worlds are sort of uh, merging, and it's really coming a big part of that jam band scene in, in a good way. There's a lot of bad jam bands out there who think they're sort of playing jazz or pseudo jazz, and then there's the guys who do the real thing and, and are bringing a really true jazz sensibility into the jam band scene, and that's a good thing. I'm thinking of people like Modesky, Martin, and Wood, or the Bad Plus, who are Mm -hmm. really fine musicians who also have a sense of song about what they're doing. What I liked about Katahdin's Edge, this uh, trio, piano, bass, drums, is that they understand that jazz isn't sort of this academic, let's all sit down in our chairs and listen to the virtuoso play his solos kind of music. This is party music. This is music meant for dancing, for drinking, for smoking, for having a good time. Mm. Back to jazz's origins. And they totally did a wonderful job of transforming this club from a jazz room into a rock kind of vibe. Their playing was ferocious. The rhythm section's terrific. I could see hip-hop DJs doing handsprings when they hear this record because the rhythm loops are wow. so exciting on this record. You think, well, we could, you know, let's let's build some hip-hop tracks off what this yeah, rhythm yeah. section is doing. And uh, the uh, piano player in the group, uh, Willie Mayette, not only is he hammering those keyboards, but he's reaching inside, playing the strings inside, doing a little bit of avant-garde <laughs> kind of noise stuff uh, on top of it. And at the same time, you know, just enough of a melody to pull in a sense of structure. Mm. There's a song going on here besides all this ferocious interplay. Well, you know, um, I'm jazz-phobic, but you're selling me. I'm eager to hear it now. This is good stuff. And their second record is called The Ridge. That's the one I picked up, and they played a lot of selections from it. One of the best tracks is Broken Leg Blues from Katahdin's Edge on Sound Opinions. One of Greg's picks, Katahdin's Edge. He's going jazz bow on me. But uh, our Sound Ops crew caught you in line outside La Zona Rosa before the single biggest hype of the whole festival, if not the entire year, this young band from England called the Arctic Monkeys. I avoided that show like the plague. I didn't, you know, I knew there were too many hipsters for me there. But, uh, but you had some things to say while you were waiting to get in. 
South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. And uh, a few minutes from now, uh, the Arctic Monkeys are going to take the stage. About a thousand people in the club, hundreds more waiting outside trying to get into the club. They probably won't. The biggest band in the UK at the moment is playing one of their first shows, if not their first show, in North America tonight. And we're going to find out how good they are. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I've, I've been pumping caffeine all day. I am, I'm peaking right now, waiting for this show to start. And uh, we'll let you know how it goes in a few minutes. Zona Rosa, it's 1.15 a.m. Saturday, and the Arctic Monkeys have just left the stage, and man, impressive, you know, kind of a ramshackle, rickety sound on record, much fuller, much tighter, more of a groove in the rhythm section than I realized. The lead singer, Alex, he's this kid, he's up there drinking beer, he's not, he's not, a, I, I think he's 20, maybe Certainly not of legal drinking age in this great state of Texas. And uh, he's down in his beers and uh, really kind of a poised kid. You know, heavy, thick, you know, Sheffield, northern England accent. And um, that's part of the guy's charm is he's got this kind of thick accent. You know, no sense of this guy feeling the pressure or sensing that he's not up to the moment. He felt like I think he owned the place when he walked in there. Basically told the photographers who were up front to shove it, <laughs> get out of his way, and I think that was a it was a good thing because uh, it made him a little angry and gave a little more intensity to the early part of the show. And the band was pretty ferocious, I have to say. When they were playing, they sounded good. Uh, this is a well rehearsed band, and they came here with a purpose, a uh, steely purpose, and it sounded good. They passed their test, you know. High pressure show, and they came in there like they owned the place, and they uh, and they lived up to the hype. All right, Greg, you're, uh, you were braving the hype, so the rest of us didn't have to. <laughs> Fine band, Arctic Monkeys, but one of the things I realized in going over my reports from 16 South by Southwests, invariably, the things I had wasted three or four hours on because I had to get online early, had right. to stay there, you know, those bands are all in the where are they now file. Yeah. And, and the ones that I discovered this year, I hope those are going to be the ones 
that are going to be the ones to watch. These guys could end up there too. I mean, they've got they're, they're a good band, but you know, are the songs going to mean anything in America? And that's that's still to be determined. I don't, well, I'm heck, not sure. I think Art Brute out Arctic Monkeys, the yeah. Arctic Monkeys. They're Art, a heck of a better band. Art Brute was the band. Ah, Brute, top of the pops. Ah, Brute, top of the pops. Ah, Brute, top of the pops. So uh, that was our South by Southwest show. We hope you enjoyed it. we got some thank yous to do on the way out. Tori Southside Malatia is our executive producer. Todd Bachman is our managing producer and director. Matt Spiegel is our producer. Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn, our beloved associate producers. Legal assistance, thankfully we didn't need any in Texas, came from Dino Armiros. Joe Dassault is our technical guru. We were recording this week at Wall-to-Wall Recording Studio in Chicago, and Dan Dietrich, a good pal of mine, was the engineer this week. And uh, we've got to thank people who helped us out at South by Southwest. Dino Reddy, Matt Wintergreen, the household names, provided some accommodations that we could not have done without. Basically, they put up our, our associate producers. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we got to thank the South by Southwest Music Conference itself. Elizabeth Durzo and the entire staff. We want to thank uh, Next year, thank we're broadcasting all. from Texas. That's our goal. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> all right. We're done. We're going home. Good night, Austin.